Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Amen. I'm so excited to be up here tonight. Just, uh, just what God has been teaching me this, me this week as I've pressed in for this message and just what I want to share with you. Um, so uh, we've been in this relaunch series. And um, if you're on the relaunch team, we've been doing D groups and, um, and then Sunday morning messages, you know, our evening messages. We've been talking about our kingdom calling and what we're called to in life. I, you know, I think so many of us want to know why was I put on the earth? What is my purpose? And, and you realize, you know, as you get older, um, you realize how short life is. And you're like, man, I actually don't have a lot of time to waste. Like, I want to know what I was put on the earth for, and I want to go after it. And I don't want to waste my time doing anything else. Has, has that been stirring in anyone else in this season? Like, yes, God, I want to know, and I want to nail it. And so um, for me, it's been an awesome uh, experience just being in it with you and just what God has been showing me. And I'm so grateful. I feel more settled in myself as I'm like, okay, I I think I'm getting a grasp of what my mission is in life. Um, But I want to say that we can go wholeheartedly after these things. But if there is one thing missing and we leave this one secret ingredient out, actually not a secret, but very important ingredient out, then we will miss it. We will get to the end of our lives and say, yes, I fulfilled my kingdom call. But if we leave this one ingredient out, we will have missed it. And so I wanna pick up where Jarrett was talking last week. Who all was here for Jarrett? Yeah, it was so awesome. It was so, I had to go in the back with my baby. So I was like on my phone watching it outside, you know, Um, but it was so amazing and just, he talked about the need for unity and the need for the body and how actually our gifts come alive whenever we're connected, no matter our differences, but that we actually can rally around one thing, one friend, and that's Jesus. And so I'm gonna pick up there. Verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. It says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and here it is, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Then it goes into 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all of the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. I wanna say to you that love is a person and that person is Jesus. I'm gonna go back into this 
And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put Jesus in, in verse four. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. He does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud. He does not dishonor others, he is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. John 14, 23 says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Many do works apart from love. We can do works of the kingdom and we can leave out Jesus and we miss it. If we don't have Jesus, the person of Jesus, you get it? Like love is often like a feeling, you know, like a verb, you know, it's something that we do, but actually that love is a noun. It's a person before it's ever an action. It's a person. Love is a person. And if we go on in the good things in our life and we don't have the person of Jesus with us, we will miss it. We will get to the end of our lives and we will be a clanging cymbal and a loud gong with a big mess behind us. So I want Jesus at the center of everything that I do. All of my serving, all my working, all of my efforts, Jesus has to be at the center of it. If you wanna know what love is, look at the life of Jesus. I think love pass around and use, you know, we love breakfast tacos. I love decorating. I love my kids. But love is actually a person. All of our doing must be rooted in love, rooted in the person of Jesus. So let me say to you, your kingdom calling, if you're right, taking notes, your kingdom calling is to be a unique display of the love of Jesus a unique display, like what Jarrett was talking about, that I'm not you and you're not me, and I uniquely display his love. That is what I'm called to do. And because he's so creative, he gives us all these different expressions on how to express that love, how to be that unique display of his love. So I, um, as if you've heard me talk before, I love projects. I like, I'm the kind of person that is like, I don't really want to sit all day and talk, but if you want to go and you want to find a piece of furniture with me and you want to strip it down and paint it and then have a completed project, like, I'm like, let's do it all day. I'm like, you want to go scour through flea markets and, and uh, thrift stores and find stuff that we can like repurpose? Like, we are like, yeah, I can do that all day. I love the satisfaction of a finished project. Uh, Joel and I, we worked on a a house for 10 years remodeling it, and um, it was almost 100 years old. It was a mess, and so we worked on it and remodeled it, and after we would do a project, we would go, and we would just stand in it, and we would be like, wow, this is amazing, and just remember all the struggle to get to the satisfaction of that finished project. I love satisfaction, But Psalm 63, five says in the Passion, the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. So 
and all the satisfaction that we can find in the amazing things of life, of all the satisfaction that I can find in completing a project, nothing satisfies. It says, the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. So I could spend my whole life making things more beautiful. But if I don't have his presence, I actually will not find the ultimate satisfaction in life. It's his presence that satisfies me greater than anything else. The definition of satisfaction or satisfy is to meet the expectations, needs, or desires of someone. And I was, as I read that definition, I thought, am I satisfied, God? Like, where do I find satisfaction? Where do I have my expectations met? Where do I have my needs met? Where do I have the desires of, of, of my life met? And it's in Jesus alone. He alone can satisfy. I, I can find satisfaction in earthly things and pleasure. He gives us those things as a gift. But that thing in our soul that longs to be settled and satisfied is in the presence of Jesus alone. So why don't y'all turn with me to John 6, and we're gonna camp out in John 6 for a while. So, John 6. Um, This is a cool story. And whenever I was praying earlier, this is, because I've been camping out in this this week, and so just... It's about Jesus whenever he takes the, the loaves of the five loaves and he multiplies and feeds 5,000. So I'm gonna read through it. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, um, but I'm just gonna pick out some things that, that, that I just want to point out. So in John 6, uh, so Jesus is, people are starting to hear that he's a miracle worker and, and they want uh, to sit at his feet. They want what he has. They, they know that he's been performing miracles and so they wanna be next to him. And so all these people uh, follow him and, they, and they, he draws this massive crowd and it says there were 5,000 men there. So probably uh, not including women and children, there were thousands more people there. So all these people were there. And so they all come longing and hungry. They want something. They're not satisfied. They want to be satisfied. And so... Um, he realizes like, oh, they're probably physically hungry. And so um, that he takes some loaves of bread and some fish and he multiplies them um, and then feeds everyone and everyone sees this miracle. Um, And then in verse 12, it says, when everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. So maybe in this process where your like, heart has been stirred and you're like, I'm not satisfied, I'm hungry. I actually feel like I'm lacking something. I need something. And, and there's almost like this frustration where you're like, oh, how did I get to this point in my life and I don't know what I'm called to? Or how do I feel like I haven't stepped into it? I'm hungry to know what I was created for. I am longing and it's leaving you longing. And I want to encourage you and say, he always satisfies your hunger when you come to him with it. So maybe you're in this place and you're like, forget it. I'm a few weeks into this relaunch thing and and I don't know and I haven't stepped into it and I haven't changed the world the way I longed to decades ago and I'm just gonna give up. But I want to encourage you and say, don't give up. Continue to press in because as you come to him with your hunger, he will meet you. 
He will satisfy you. Stay in the process. And maybe you have to hike up a big hill and be hungry and tired and longing and waiting, but just go. Just go to be with Jesus and He will satisfy your hunger. He will not leave you unsatisfied if you go to Him. So stick with the process of provision. So they were all satisfied and they gathered up all of this extra food and all the people were astounded and they were like, they began to say among themselves, verse 14, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. So there's this expectation. I've heard about him and he's doing it. We're seeing it happen right before our eyes. So then after that, he walks on water and all, so all, can you imagine like the disciples? They just saw him take like, a little lunch and multiply it and feed thousand. And then he walks out on the water to them. So they all have to be like, whoa, like this has been like an amazing day, you know, like pretty incredible. If you think about like amazing days in your life, like this tops it, you know? So um, they get to the other side. And um, so uh, I'm gonna jump on down to verse 26. Um, and so, the, so then all the people realize that he's gone. So they get in and they go and find him the next day. And so he addresses their hunger. He's like, okay, I fed you yesterday and now you're coming after me more. So verse 26, it says, Jesus replied, let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle. But because you believe in me, why would you... Oh, because... But you, not because you believe in me. Why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life, which never spoils? I, the Son of Man, am ready to give you what matters most. For God the Father has destined me for this purpose. They replied, so what should we do if we want to do God's work? Jesus answered, the work you can do for God starts with believing in the one he sent. Your kingdom calling starts with your belief in Jesus. It has to start there. And I wanna ask you, is Jesus enough for you? Is that enough? Is he alone enough for you? Does he satisfy you? Then in in 30, under 35, they replied, show us a miracle so that we can see it and then we'll believe in you. Moses took care of our ancestors who were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert, just like the scripture says, he fed them with bread from heaven. What sign will you perform for us? So they're like, show us another miracle. He's like, I just fed you yesterday. And they're like, well, if you're really the bread from heaven, then, then why don't you bring bread down out of the sky? Like not multiplying it is not enough. Like show us a miracle. And and then they're pressing in for more miracles. Give us this bread. They're waiting on a handout. And what he says, they said, uh, the truth is Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It is my father who offers bread that comes from a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Then they're like, please give it to us. And he says, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. So they're like wanting a handout. And he's like, you come every day and you eat me. You come every day and you feast on me. I am the bread of life. Don't spend your life chasing after these things that, that perish 
but you come and I'm not gonna give you a handout. You are responsible to come to me and to draw life from me. I'm offering myself. Now you come and draw life from me. So then he goes on into this um, really hard teaching. Um, So verse 38, and he said, and I have come out of heaven, not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of my father who sent me. Jesus's primary mission was to reveal the father by displaying his nature and his will. So then on into verse 53 to 58, he starts talking about cannibalism. And in this culture, cannibalism was probably the most offensive thing that you could talk about in the Jewish culture. And so he's like, okay, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna like really see who gets it because I'm gonna offend the socks off of them. So he starts talking about like, you gotta eat my body and you gotta drink my blood. And a lot of people got offended by it and they left. They were like, I'm out. This is weird, I'm out. But there were people that got it and they stuck. In verse 56, it says, The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. If you come and receive from me, you live in me and I am going to live in you. And so then um, down into 63, he goes on and he says, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help The words I speak to you are spirit and life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. So he's saying, do you wanna understand how to get access to this life that I'm talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. So if you wanna come and you wanna feast on me, you you want access to me, he's telling them, it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna get you there. And then later on, so these people leave and they're, they're angry. And Jesus said to his 12, and, do, and you, do you also want to leave? And Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? But no one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. So what does this all mean? What does this all mean? When we let Jesus be our source and sustainer of life through the power of his Holy Spirit, we will live full and, and live a life. Our life will overflow from us like the loaves and fishes. When we live with him as our source, he will come in and he will make things in our life multiply and we'll just overflow. That's called abiding. When we abide in him, our lives just overflow with the goodness from him. And he says, he says to his disciples, do you wanna leave too? And they said, where would we go? You are our home. We've made you our abode. We've left our homes and our lives and we've made you our, our sustainer. Where else would we go? So Jesus is the answer to every question. Everything else is exhausting. Everything else takes life, but he gives life. So he is the answer to every question, to the racial divide, it's Jesus. To world hunger, it's Jesus. To that wayward kid, it's Jesus. Who should I marry? I don't know, who should I ask? It's Jesus. Where do I look for a job? I don't know. Who should, where should I look? Ask Jesus. He is the answer to every question. Every longing in your heart, it's Jesus. He alone is a source of life. So if you find yourself with these questions and you're like, I don't know, 
go to Jesus. And it almost sounds too simple. It's like, what? Jesus, what does that mean? How do I, what? (laughs) You abide in him. You talk to him. You ask him questions. You say, hey, I really need to find a job. You're the source of life. You provide for me. Where do I go? How do we solve this world hunger problem? Jesus, what do you say about it? What are you doing? How are you, how are you multiplying food? How are you providing for your people? So what keeps us from feasting on Jesus, from making him our source? And this is where I've wrestled all week, where I'm like, are you my source? Because I find myself a lot of times feeling really hungry and thirsty and exhausted. (laughs) Are you my source? And I find myself stepping outside of that and then having to go back and say, you're my source. You're my source. My source for energy to get through the day. My source to love my spouse. My source to complete this task, this responsibility. You're my source. So what keeps us from feasting on him? It's the lie of lack. The lie of lack says, I don't have what I need in order for my needs to be met. And it's the allure of lust, the drive to be fulfilled. That's what pulls us away from Jesus. I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago whenever Joel and I spoke on that, but it's the lie of lack. You think, Jesus, is that really it? Like, surely not Jesus. Surely I need to figure something out here. I need like a five-year plan and and I need to strive and I need to figure this out and I I need to get myself worked up. Surely it's not Jesus. surely Surely I'm still lacking something. He can't be enough. It's that lie of lack that he's not enough. So I've got to figure it out. It's an orphan mentality. He won't take care of me. And it's the allure of lust. It's that drive that he's not enough, I'm lacking, so I've got to go after this thing and give my soul to it. I've got to go after this thing. I've got to prove that I can do it. I've got to figure it out on my own. And it's this drive to be fulfilled I gotta be fulfilled. Don't have time for you, Jesus. Gotta be fulfilled. Don't have time for you. I have a short amount of time in my life. Gotta prove it, right? I find myself there after I've been on social media. And I'm like, Jesus, don't have time for you. Got a destiny to fulfill. Kingdom calling. How do people perceive me? What's my brand? How do they know me? Right? It's that drive that pulls us away. And he's like, just come to me and let me feed you. Psalm 62, 11 through 12 says, God said to me once and for all, all the strength and power you need flows from me. And again, I heard it, I heard clear, heard, again, I heard it clearly said, all the love you need is found in me. And it is true that you repay people for what they do. So I think the key is becoming love. Loving like Jesus is the pinnacle of the Christian life. Turn with me quickly to 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 to 13. If we become love, if we feed on Jesus, he says, I will make my life in you. We then become love like Jesus. You are what you eat. Why do we feast on junk food? 
feast on Jesus, you will become like Jesus. 1 John 4, 7 through 13 says, those who are loved by God, let His love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of Him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when He sent His matchless Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved Him. It was His love, not ours. He proved it by sending His Son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if He loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love one another, God makes His permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in Him. And His love is brought to its full expression in us. And He has given us His Spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that He lives in us and that we live in Him. This is it. This is it. This is His desire for our lives, that His love would continually flow through us to each other through the power of His Holy Spirit. This is what He longs for. So he says, come to me. The reason why your lives don't look like this is because you've been eating junk food. You've been feeding on something else. Why do you feel disconnected in your family, with your friends? It's this. He wants you to feed on him, to be your source. So there was a racehorse named Secretariat And he was a triple crown winner in 1973. I don't know much about horse racing. So as I looked up this story, I was like, he won these three races in 1973, which I guess was like this amazing thing for this racehorse. And so what they found about Secretariat was that usually thoroughbreds, their hearts are 8.5, eight and a half pounds heavy. What they found about Secretariat was that his heart was 22 pounds. And there's a theory that because he had an enlarged heart, he was able to run with more endurance and beat out others in a race. So he had a bigger heart than all the other horses. And last week we were in a meeting and one of our elders, Diane Terrian, said, I feel like God is giving us enlarged hearts to carry his love in a greater measure. And I said, that's it. That's what we need. We need bigger hearts so that we can run this race of life that's put before us. Our hearts have been too small, too closed, too unhealthy. And I think tonight he wants to give us bigger hearts. And it's not something that you do. It's just something he does in you. He says, come to me and I want to give you a bigger heart. Secretariat didn't ask for that heart. He was just born with it. It's just a gift from God. So he says, let me give you a bigger heart tonight. So can y'all stand with me? And I wanna pray this over you. 
because I think he is. I think he's about to increase your love. I think as I was talking, you were, you were realizing there's some things in my heart that, that are not lining up. I'm not experiencing Jesus in this area. I'm lacking. I'm still hungry. I'm longing. I'm thirsty. I, I feel disconnected. I don't know why I burst out in anger at my kids. I don't know why I can't have peace with my job. I feel there's these areas And what he wants is to increase your heart with his love and give you a new perspective so that you can come at that thing with hope and see change. So will you put your hands out and receive this prayer. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ is all in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. And I say in Jesus' name, let this be true over this room. In Jesus' name, let this be our lives. We give you permission, Jesus, to pour into our hearts. We receive it. We receive you bread of life. We desperately hunger and long for you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so as I spoke, there's probably something stirring in your heart. I feel like there's some people here maybe who have never received Jesus. As I talked about the bread of life and and finding your life in Him, you're like, I have no idea what that means. So I wanna invite you, we're gonna have the ministry team come up. If that is you, I wanna invite you to come up here and just to receive, to say, I want to make my life, I wanna make my home in Jesus because I am lacking and I need Him. And also, if you feel like you need to receive a larger heart, maybe for a certain area, maybe for this person that you're angry at or this situation, that you would just come and that you would receive ministry for that. And also, maybe you just feel like you're dry in a certain area. That you would just come and receive just him, just the feast of Him. You say, yeah, I just, I know, I just need more of Him. I just need a touch from Him. Would you come and just receive prayer? And I just want to say, I love you. Y'all are amazing. I see the life of Christ stirring up in you. And it is incredible to be a part of this with you. So I just love you. Bless you, ministry team, if you wanna come forward. And if you need prayer for anything, please come forward and receive.
I just invite you to come. I know that there's people in here that are, are longing. Don't hesitate. Don't be embarrassed. Come forward and receive. And I just release you to go. Have a great day. Love you all.